My name is Paul Harris. For those of you who may not have met me yet, and I'm privileged to serve on staff here, um, and tonight we're going to be continuing our series on knowing God. Uh, Pastor Jim, a few weeks ago, uh, transitioned in that series to discussing the attributes of God, and he talked about the otherness specifically of God, speaking of God's holiness. And in the last couple of weeks, we had Pastor David Hermes and last week, Pastor Duke extend that discussion as they helped us understand how we relate to a holy God. And so tonight, we're going to continue in this series, but we're going to shift gears a bit and talk about the omnipotence of God. So knowing God series, the attribute of God's omnipotence. Omni meaning all, potent meaning powerful, conveys that he has all power over all things and in all ways. A.W. Tozer says it this way, all the power required to do all that he wills to do lies in undiminished fullness in his own infinite being. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for strength, for renewal, which is something if you've been here on Sundays, Pastor Brett has been echoing that sentiment in the Sunday series on the Spirit-filled life. So our prayer tonight is that we have a heightened awareness upon leaving here of his omnipotence, that we have a heightened awareness of his desire for his power to work in and through us, and that we have a heightened awareness of how we can respond well to his omnipotence. So if you would turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you have made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. Thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. I pray now that you would open up our eyes to see the wonderful things of your law. Speak, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verses 17 through 23, reads this way. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. Verse 20 says, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So again, the title of the message as a part of this Knowing God series is The Omnipotence of God. The Omnipotence of God. I grew up in Long Island, New York. Some of you already know this. Uh, and I played baseball, basketball growing up. And out of high school, I was a D5 recruit. Um, if you're not familiar with sports, there's only divisions one, two, and three. So D5 tells you a little bit of something about my potential. And... Uh, <laughs> So I had a few looks from some D3 schools, and, and most of which I didn't want to attend for the rest of the experience at that school. And I found myself at a university that happened to be a D1 school, 
um, <clears throat> because I enjoyed the other aspects of it. But by the grace of God, I was given a tryout for the basketball team. And a tryout, I did. And for about three years in undergrad, I made a really good manager for that basketball team. <laughs> and uh, the school that I was at was a part of the Atlantic Coast Conference, ACC, one of uh, five conferences that appear in what is called the Power Five Conferences, the Power Five Conferences. What is the Power Five Conferences all about? Well, essentially it has to do with how well the teams play, but also the, the multi-million dollar media rights, contracts, addition to ticket sales, etc. So right now, and these are some of the conversations that I actually enjoy in terms of reading and researching and, and probably the best education is talking to college student athletes and high school student athletes and professional athletes themselves, is understanding how we can measure the power that these conferences have and how we can navigate and best manage how they control or how they manage the power that they, that they have. So the NCAA is talking about it, college institutions are co- talking about it, but I am so glad, and I am interested in those conversations if you want to talk afterward, but I'm so glad that we know the one who has all power, yeah. the omnipotent one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight... The text that we just read suggests that the greatness of his power is immeasurable. The question then that I want us to reflect on tonight is, how are we to regard his power? How do we regard his power? And I think the text suggests at least two things that we're going to focus on tonight. One is we are to regard his power as incomparable. And two, we are to regard his power as intimate. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. So some backdrop. It is believed that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians during his imprisonment in Rome in about 80, 60 through 64. He'd spent some time there in Ephesus when he returned from his second missionary journey, and then on his third missionary journey, spent about three years there. And since he was in prison during the time that he uh, wrote this particular letter, he sent it on to Ephesus with a person named Tychicus, or Tychicus, who was, according to Paul, a faithful minister of the gospel at this time. And the book of Ephesians, if you take sort of a 30,000-foot high view, can really be broken up into two parts. The first three chapters, Paul is speaking doctrinally about God's divine purpose in Christ and the believer's position in Christ. The final three chapters, he speaks more practically concerning how believers ought to live in light of their position in Christ. So he writes this letter to expand the horizons of the readers, to help them understand better the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and his grace. He writes to encourage the believers to be fruitful followers of Jesus Christ and to serve in unity and love even through persecution. And so this first chapter that we're focusing on, he opens up the the, the chapter with an introduction of sort to the epistle, like Paul does with a characteristic Pauline greeting, grace and peace be unto you from our Father and Jesus Christ. And he goes on to give thanks and praises uh, to God for his many blessings. And then he transitions to moving into his earnest prayers to God on their behalf, which is the text that we are going to be focused on tonight in verses 17 through 23. So what does Paul pray about? Does he pray that there is relief from persecution? No. Does he pray that they become rich, hit the lottery? No, he doesn't pray that. Did did he pray 
that Bonchon chicken is now going to appear on the list of FDA's healthy food list. That's my prayer on the side, actually. Oh, no, he doesn't pray that. And, and I'm sure that prayer is going to remain unanswered, or rather answered very emphatically, no. He doesn't pray that. Paul prays, though, that the eyes of their hearts be opened to the understanding of who God is. And then upon such enlightenment, which in the Greek means to render evident, that they would then know the hope to which they've been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what our focus is going to be on tonight, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? Paul, in his prayer, is emphasizing that we cannot, in and of ourselves, even fathom the power that God wants to put on display through our lives. We can't reason ourselves there. We can't work ourselves there. But it involves God opening up the very faculty of our knowing. We can't wrap our finite brains around his almighty nature. And so Paul prays that we be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we come to know him so that the eyes of our hearts be enlightened and then we might know the immeasurable greatness of his power. Ephesians 3 and 7, a couple of chapters later, says this, I became a servant of this gospel, this is Paul speaking again, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So yes, God allows us to participate. He allows us to partner with him, if you will, in the process of sanctification in that we can yield ourselves to his authority in our lives. But lest we get it twisted, it's not necessarily about our participation that allows us to access the power or understand the power of God. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. It's God's power that continues to hold us in a state of grace despite our sin. And it's his power that keeps us from falling. And so our text again tonight says, it cites the immeasurable greatness of God's power, which brings us to the first point of how we ought to to, to regard God's omnipotence and that as incomparable. Throughout Scripture, we see his omnipotence on display, perhaps no greater than in the act of creation. Genesis 1, God said, let there be. And it was so. Man, on the other hand, needs some tools and materials to get some things done. Uh, Like when my son decided he wanted to take a walk out of the front door in Charlottesville of our house, which led us to getting a fence, a new screen door, drilling some holes through the front door because the old 1949 door kind of didn't fit with the child-proof mechanisms that Babies R Us had provided for us. And then upon drilling too big a hole, Spackle was filling the house as I tried to patch up the little bit of that door so as not to be chasing my son down Cherry Avenue, which is a busy street in Charlottesville. But God, on the other hand, he just speaks, which by the way, my son didn't get far because I married a woman who has eyes like a rabbit and a parrot, not, not, not eyes on the side. That's why they can see behind them. She doesn't, but she can see behind her is what I'm trying to say. And she saw him somehow walking out of the front door. I think it's a parrot. It's a parrot. I fixed that all right? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. That's how they see, but she just sees by it. And moving on. So God, on the other hand, he, he, he simply speaks. And by the power of his word, things happen. By the word of the Lord, Psalm 33 and 6 says, Were the heavens made their starry host, 
by the breath of his mouth. Isaiah 40, 26 says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each forth name by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not, not one of them is missing. We also see his omnipotence in the preservation of creation. For example, uh, we are absolutely, if you didn't know, powerless over the seas. If you've ever been on a cruise or probably more pointedly, if you've ever been on a cruise like my family was on in 2011, you know just how powerless you are because if the, the water's got a little bit rocky. Praise God, Robert, I think the seas were really nice for you on your cruise. But for us, they were not. They were a bit rocky. And so everybody, instead of walking, was doing this little wobble on the boat. And the, I think the employees were making fun of us. In fact, one of them came up to me and said, you chose to come. We had to be here. What, what were you thinking? <laughs> Absolutely powerless. I think we walked with a lean for about a week after that particular cruise. <laughs> Powerless over the seas, no authority, nothing we can do. And in fact, could very well be overwhelmed by them if not for God's prescribed limits. And in Job, it says this, 38 verses, chapter 38, verses 8 through 11, it says, Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed bounds for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stopped. Moses, who was on the honor roll of the faithful, even had to be reminded about God's omnipotence. Hebrews 11 is where the honor roll of the faithful, that Moses appears on that. And he's reminded in Numbers when the Lord said to him, Is the Lord's arms too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. And that should be an encouragement to all of us because it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, it's going to take some prayer to access and understand and see, even fathom the almighty power, the omnipotence of God. There is no special access, if you will. We see his omnipotence, of course, in Jesus as God incarnate through the healings and miracles he performed, the feeding of the 5,000, calming the storms, raising Lazarus and Jairus' daughter. And if I can insert here somewhat parenthetically, it's important to note that while God does have the power to do any and everything, he will not do anything that's contrary to his will, his nature, or his character. For example, he will not lie. <laughs> He's not going to deny himself. He's not going to go back on his promises. So these limits, if you want to call them that, are that he's not going to do anything contrary to his nature. When the men came to arrest Jesus, he said, man, don't you know I can text my peeps and have all of y'all handled <laughs> right now? That's the Paul Harris version, sorry. What it says is, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? He limited his own power so that his will could be accomplished and so that we could have verse 20 of the text that we've read tonight, which reads that he put his power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Right hand, by the way, symbolizing rulership, authority, sovereignty, blessing, strength, and power. Acts 2.24 says it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him and the power that is required to live a life pleasing to God is the very same power that raised Christ from 
the dead. Verse 21 goes on to say, It is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 said, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And sometimes, I think if we're honest, it's probably easier to, to, to think about considering his power in the age to come, our text says. In fact, even the way that it's written here, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, kind of lures our focus into the latter part of that phrase. But on the front end, not only implies that such a reality exists for us right now. That's good news. That the same power can be shared by believers who are united to God in Jesus Christ right now. Which brings us to the second point of how we ought to regard God's omnipotent. That as it being intimate, close to us. Victorious living. Anybody want to live life with victory? Anybody want to live a life of influence and authority? The power, the text says, is for us who believe now. So all of us ought to desire an intimacy with the all-powerful nature of our God. And such intimacy isn't predicated necessarily on our pedigree. Thank God. Not predicated on our bank account. Praise him not predicated on our degrees, not predicated on the title that we hold at our job, if we have a job, but it does have everything to do with God having chosen us before the very foundation of the world to live holy in his sight and him never calling us to anything that he's not going to well equip us for. The challenge for us then is what? Let go of the reins, Elsa and Anna says. Let, let it go. You can tell I'm a parent of a toddler. Let it go. <laughs> Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We can't even fathom what he wants to accomplish in our lives. According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I told this uh, story at the Sterling congregation and campus on Sunday. I want to tell it again here. We have a son, my wife and I, uh, his name is Christopher. He's been, he's been, or he's five years old now, but at the age of 22 months, <clears throat> we were living in Charlottesville. We had to, uh, my wife, I thank God for you. You are an amazing mom. She realized that he was a bit more lethargic than he should be. I'm at the office. She's at home, which at the time was a faculty uh, apartment on campus, so my office is just a few minutes away. And so she takes him to the doctor. They draw his blood. They send him home about an hour later. And I'm sorry, they send him home. And then about an hour later, they call Taylor. They call me at work saying very calmly, I got to give him some credit for that, calmly but firmly, you need to take him to the emergency room right now. So I'm running from my office to, to home, get in the car with Taylor. We're running to the emergency room. Of course, if you've ever been to the ER, sometimes it could be a wait. You never know what to expect, but we get there, and there's a team literally waiting for us at the door, right? So we walk in, and there's a team, a football team of people 
wheeling Christopher to the back, to the, a back room. And as they're going back, one of the doctors on the team says, why, why isn't he seizing? Why, why isn't he having seizures? What? I don't understand. And they're wheeling, and I'm thinking, what? What are they talking about? Well, come to find out later on, Christopher had a blood sugar of 27. Low for his age at that time would be 70. 60 is kind of like crisis mode. So his was 27. But for the power of God. And to this day, let me, let me say, no one has even, no one's even figured out, have they? We've walked into developmental pediatrician's office, endocrinologists, geneticists, you name them. We've walked in all of their office, and most of them say something like, I just don't think we're smart enough to figure out what's going on. And I can tell you, and I'll wrap up this quick analogy and move on, that what we do know, based on what his blood sugar level was, we know what could have, and some said should have been, the impact on his brain and cognitive functioning. But can I tell you, Christopher is five, and he's over in Kid Builders right now, speaking full, intelligible sentences and interacting with developmental peers as we speak. The almighty power of Jesus Christ. And that same power, can I testify for just a minute, that the same power, 10 years ago, I'm sitting, I can get into the details. I won't get too much because it'll be 11 o'clock and y'all need to go home. But if I can testify for just a moment, 10 years ago, the same power, almighty, omnipotent power of God grabbed me out of a deep depression and gave me hope for a future filled with hope and purpose and destiny. That same power rescued me from the car accident that should have taken me out. That same power worked through the masterful hands of a gentleman named Dr. Shalif who performed brain aneurysm surgery on my mom, who now 18 years later at the tender age of 78 is in her right mind. That same power of God. And, and, and the good news is this. The same power is available for all of us to take advantage of whatever the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death we might find ourselves in. The power of God will be right there with us in this journey that we call life. The power of Almighty God can break the yoke of generational curses, can he not? The power of Almighty God can destroy your desire for pornography. The power of Almighty God can destroy the yokes of relational dysfunction between parents and children. The power of God can mend marriages. The power of God can restore that which you thought might have been lost until God shows up and shows you it's been here all the time, but you just needed a little bit of my power to make it evident for you. Cancer has to bow at the name of Jesus. Suicidal ideation has to bow at the name of Jesus. The omnipotence of God. There is nothing that he cannot do. And I dare you for a minute, a minute, to think about how good God has been to you. And if it's okay, 10 seconds, you think about the power of God on display in your life and you respond accordingly. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You are so good to us, Lord Jesus. The power of Almighty God 
Breaks the chains, does it not? Breaks the chains, hallelujah. Lord, you are worthy. You are so good to us, Lord God. The power of Almighty God. Oh, you're going to take me back to my childhood, bro. You better stop that. E flat. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Paul says, therefore, I will boast. He says this in 2 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I will boast more, the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Yes. It's in you, Lord, Acts 17 says, that we live, we move, and we have our very being. In closing, how do we respond? <laughs> how do we respond then to the omnipotence of God? First Peter 5 and 6 says it this way. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Therefore, before the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. I am the vine, he says. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm so glad, so relieved, overjoyed that I do not have to depend on me to live life well. I've tried it. Depression I just alluded to, some of it, much of it, most of it, all of it, had a lot to do with the variety of strivings. And please hear this. It's, it's related and relevant to what I believe God is saying tonight. There were good endeavors. They were all good endeavors. God called me to go to graduate school. I knew he called me to go to graduate school. God called me to marry my beautiful bride. I knew he called me to marry my beautiful bride. God called me to work as a full-time school counselor in a high school. I knew that God called me to do that. <laughs> we bought a house. I don't know that God told us to do that <laughs> at the time that we did. <laughs> but the point is I was trying to do it all on my own, and I, as you might imagine, came to the end of my very self. And it's almost as if God said, hey, Paul, you remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, the Bible verse you learned as a kid? It's not a good idea to try to lean on yourself or your understanding, but trust in me. Trust in me. Abide in me. I will never fail you. Cast your cares on me. Seek me and my righteousness. David says, it's my favorite scripture. You'll hear me say it a lot. There's nothing else that I desire but to dwell in the house or the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. And Ephesians says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 17 says, I pray that the God of our text, verse 17 says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? <clears throat> There's a song, I will not sing it. Uh, it says, from the highest of heights, to the depths of the sea, creations revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. 
You are amazing, God. All-powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing. You are amazing, God. Pray with me. Lord, you are amazing. Help us to regard your omnipotence well. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. We want to live in such a way that your omnipotence and its display in our lives is regular and that those in our sphere of influence through our good deeds, they will glorify you because they'll see your power, your all-powerful nature living, breathing in and through us.